This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I am bringing back my friend, Dr. Dan Reardon, coming in from Fitness Jeans. He is going to be on point here. We are going to turn this into three segments first time on a Halo Talk, so we have an actual outline. I'm excited. Try and stay slightly structured. Physical health, psychological health, economic health. Dan, welcome back to the talks. Thank you so much, Pete. Great to be on here. And uh, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Great. Well, our audience is growing, so there are more and more people uh, listening to our our little tidbits of wisdom here. So why don't we start with physical health and the current macro environment and uh, what your uh, crystal ball of hope looks like? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think that thinking about sort of physical health at the moment, I mean, I'm, so I'm in the UK and we're in a situation at the moment where we're in complete lockdown, all the gyms are closed. And even, even when in the previous lockdowns, the gyms reopened, um, people were still a, you know, a bit fearful about actually going back to the gym. My, my big concern at the moment is we've, we've had many, many months of people not being able to get stuck into the types of exercises that they were doing before. And there's going to be a knock-on effect of people's ability to get back into exercise, um, but also to get back into structured exercise because people are exercising at home. It's unstructured. I mean, there's, there is as, as great as it is that people are at least trying to do something with online trainers and following videos. Uh, you and I both know that there is nothing more beneficial than being in a gym with a good personal trainer, correcting your posture making sure that, you know, clarifying what you've read online is actually what you should be doing. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and I, I fear, my, my fear is that people have lost out on a lot by not being able to do those things. Uh, and my hope is that the second these lockdowns are eased, uh, with a good amount of the right type of information going out to people, people will be confident again to go back to the gym, go back to um, health clubs and um, health facilities. I, I absolutely don't buy into the idea that health, that gyms are dead and health clubs are dead. I think that I think that the people saying that they're, they're doing a, a combination of things. They're one scaremongering uh, and probably because they've got an ulterior motive, but uh, you know, I, I just I, I, I'm I'm very bullish on um, the regrowth of the sort of the bricks and mortar uh, fitness world, but I think people are going to have to. I think I think there'll be a degree of innovation within those settings, and there's going to need to be a degree of innovation. But I am bullish that it's going to that we you know we'll get back to it. Well, one point um, of note. And we'll we'll ping you when we find our first uh, victim of this. But we're keeping a list of all the writers right now that tell us that the uh, health club industry is going to turn into the arcade industry. And we're going to hire a private investigator and we're going to follow them around. And when they go into the orange theory, we're going to take a picture of them and then we're going to post it as a response because they're going back. I mean, they're just trying to get like 10 bucks a word or whatever the you know, a dollar a word or something on their freelance writing. Because there's no empirical data to say, oh, I, you know what? It's a much better experience for me to work out in my apartment than it is to be with a group of people that help, you know, push me. It's like everyone saying, you know what? Why are we playing team sports anymore? Why don't we all just play, you know, singles, tennis and golf? It's not going to happen. 
Right. I mean, like people want to be around other people. And I we wrote this article the other day, you know, like over 70% of the people that go to a health club are, uh, you know, have the E as an extrovert, you know, on their Myers-Briggs. I don't know if it's 70%, maybe 63, 70, whatever it is. Point is like people need to get out and like, you can't live your life, you know, with DoorDash and Netflix and think that you're going to have any semblance of like a happy existence. So yeah. We we got we we, we people have to separate um, and compartmentalize parts of their lives. You go into an office to work. Uh, you know, I I I fail to believe that working from home is a substitute for going into an office uh, and working and interacting with people. You go to the gym to work out. Again, it, you compartmentalize and you're getting away from your home life. You go into a place distraction free or theoretically distraction free. Uh, where you can get your workout in and you know be done with it and get home. Uh, I, I I don't buy into. I, I think there's going to be innovation within these settings, but I, you know, I don't buy into that we've uh, you know we've we've turned some sort of corner and that's now no longer gonna going to happen. And to be honest with you, even if you think about you know one of the most successful clothing brands at the moment globally, Gymshark. You know, Gymshark is all about going to the gym. I mean, right. you, know, you think all these Gymshark followers want to be following home workouts? Yeah, I haven't seen me. I, I don't know. I don't, none of my friends have an Olympic squat machine in their living room. No. But that's the most like Instagrammable thing that people do in, inside the club. So yeah. let's move on from physical health yeah. to psychological health. And obviously there was a significant amount of damage done. I know I felt it. Uh, David and... Gallon and I turned into like entrepreneurial therapists for all of 2020 certified. I certified myself actually just by the amount of hours, even though there isn't a structured class. Um, so, you know, you, you're on, you're on the front lines and, and talk to a lot of people and also have probably more empirical data than we do. So how, how deep did it get? How deep is it? And how long is it going to take to get out? Well, so in terms of thinking about psyche, we've got four problems that have been created as a result of COVID. Uh, division is the first one. Um, unfortunately, our political leaders have divided us over this more than anything. And, and uh, you know, there's never been a worse time for division between people's points of view. And it follows on to the next thing, which is trust. Uh, we just haven't been able to trust our political leaders. Um, our scientists and uh, medical scientists have done a, done a phenomenal job, but the problem is it's, it's been you know it's been very easy to almost, and we've seen it happen in the presidential briefings and the UK the prime minister briefings where things can be very well the media can twist what's been said, um, and so we just end up with these massive massive trust issues, uh, fear, you know walking down the street now people are jumping out of each other's way because they're scared to death of each other. And loneliness, um, you know, loneliness is probably, you know, it, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's it's an absolute global epidemic now. But in terms of in terms of what we've seen, you know, certainly working in the emergency department, within within the healthcare setting, staff morale has never been higher. So, you know, uh, medics, paramedics, emergency care practitioners, everyone working together, um, nurses, um, you know, hospital administration, other hospital support services. There's never been more camaraderie between people because ultimately, you know, we don't have wars in, in this day and age, but really this is our um, kind of example of a war. 
And so, um, so the camaraderie has been high. Um, I think when patients are coming to hospital in this current time, they're a lot more respectful. Uh, not even respectful, but they're a lot more appreciative of medical care because it comes at a time when uh, it's almost sparse in some respects because hospitals are taken over by managing COVID and they're managing other things to a lesser extent. And even though, you know, the, the hospital managers and administrators work incredibly hard to try and keep uh, large portions of the hospitals open, it's really difficult when you've got a huge influx of COVID patients and you do inevitably end up having to stop elective surgeries. And, you know, and so the knock-on effects of all of this is that, you know, we'll see uh, you know, we're, we're seeing rises and, all, you know, all sorts of other problems. So we're going back to the, the, the psyche issue. Uh, you've got a very sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, kind of um, bolstered medical workforce of everyone's, you know, just hitting it hard, working hard together. But, you know, we're seeing the issues that people are coming in with. And as I say, that, it, you know, you know, the question, should I have the vaccine? Well, they're only, they're only asking that because they're not trusting their sources. And the problem is the sources, it's not just the political sources, it's also the social media algorithms that are only giving people controversial opinions on things. And everything is just making it harder, you know, harder for everyone. So I think we've got some, we've got some big kind of um, uh, psychological hurdles that we've got to overcome. Um, and also, we, you know, kind of coupled with that, you know, there are reasons to be fearful, that's for sure. But... One of the challenges is making people understand that it's people who perhaps, well, if you're older, if you have underlying comorbidities, or if you haven't been focused on taking care of your health, if that hasn't been a priority, you know, you'll be far more impacted by this current pandemic. So, you know, one of the things coming out of this is how do we re-spin this and actually start to get global uh, focus on sorting out the problems that can be prevented, lifestyle-related disease, diabetes, obesity, um, and all of that will have a knock-on effect to improving how people think. Got it. Uh, we're, we're, in, uh, we're in violent agreement um, uh, on all those points. You know, when, you, when you take a look at the, the remedy for that, you know, obviously there, there's digital... You know, there's like in the U.S. we got like Talkspace and we got Headspace and Calm and some of these other apps. Um, and there's also people calling up hotlines now, like under a, a monthly. Do you view that as well? It's about time. Do you view that as you know, mental health, if you want to use that term, you know, to the masses, is is not. It needs to be more personalized, or what, what's your what's your take on on that whole kind of sector development? Yeah, so um, I think it's I think it's very I think it's very challenging because the problem is in the in the context of all of those things. I mean, they're, they're fantastic companies. I've I've met with the chief scientist of Headspace. They're they're phenomenal companies, but we do have to remember that they don't deal with some of the underlying issues that cause people to have. Um, problems in how they think and how they react to things. Um, so, you know, if you if you don't have good daily habits, if you're not focused on trying to understand if someone says something to you, what do they actually mean? If you're not focused on uh, trying to carve out some meaning and some purpose in your life and trying to spend less time on social media, more time reading books that are going to improve 
you know your knowledge your ability to communicate but it, if we're not going to if we're not going to start fixing all of those problems then really you know making you feel calm for five or ten minutes it's, it's almost like the tony robbins effect isn't it um uh you know tony robbins gets you super amped up thinks you can climb a mountain the following day you're going to be the richest person in the world but actually the truth is you wake up in the morning and uh you know you have none of the tools that are going to enable you to do that so <laughs> i think that I think that, and that that's a quote from uh, Jeff Hayden's book, uh, um, The Myth of Motivation. So, the the, the point is, um, it, it's it's if you can if these apps help you to calm down, relax, and then refocus and think about the problems that you need to sort out, then I'm all for it. But if people think these apps are a solution uh, to the you know overarching problems, then I have an issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. We interviewed someone a couple of months ago, which was fascinating. A guy started up a nonprofit called the Confess Project. And what they were doing is basically turning inner city uh, barbers and hairstylists into uh, like mental health counselors, kind of 101. I thought it was kind of an intriguing way to say, hey, where can I, where do I actually have somebody alone where they're not checking their phone? And they're sitting still for 20 minutes and I can have like a, a conversation like we're having now. And one of the places you can do that, you know, in, in, in a bar, old school barbershop, you know, where you're on one of those chairs or, you know, a personal trainer, you know, basically be, you, you end up confiding in that person. I wonder if personal trainers can end up getting some kind of, you know, watered down. I wouldn't say, if, you know, like they're not going to become like psychologists or psychiatrists, but if there's some like entry level mental health, you know, evaluator that they can also become and say, Hey, look, this guy's got, yeah, he's coming in here to lose 25 pounds, but there's actually some underneath here. That's really the issue. Yeah. Um, I, th I think we have to be careful. I mean, so that, that all sounds fantastic. Um, but we have to be very careful about how we medicalize relationships because I, I when I go to the barber, I'm not going there because I want some form of counseling. Um, I, I, you know, I, it's like when you get into a taxi and you can't, you know, oh, hey, how's your day going? You know, been busy. It's like, now, these are important skills that people need to learn. And I think what we have to be careful of is that we don't gloss over. So what we should be saying to people is when you're with your friends, turn your damn phones off. Don't turn them upside down. Just turn them off. If If what we're saying is we're having to you know, like make it so that, uh, you know, people go to the barbers and because theoretically they're not using their phones, that that's the time that we have to, you know, cancel them. It, it, it really does feel like we are completely missing the point of what the problems are. And, you know, and the, the problem being that, you know, these pervasive technologies are re-engineering 10,000 years of evolution, well, 300,000 years of evolution, isn't it? But in a very short space of time, um, they're, they're having really significant uh, effects and causing really significant problems. And I don't think the remedies are necessarily difficult. And, uh, and you know, that, and, and actually, you know, highlighting that when you go to the barber, you engage in a conversation, you know, I would, I'd, I'd be all for a campaign that gets people thinking about what that actually means and then thinking, actually, maybe that translates, maybe that should translate into how I sit down and talk to my friends because, you know, I guarantee when they leave the barbers, they'll know exactly the conversations they've had unless they really are, you know, just 
and you know phone zombies and they're sitting there on their phone at the same time it highlights a problem i'm just not sure i see i'm, I'm quite anti the sort of medicalization of everything if you, you know think about friendships 20 or 30 years ago if your best friend had come to you and said i'm having a few problems you just said right let's go out for a beer and let's talk let's let's let them let help you but now your best friend comes to you and says i'm having problems what do you do oh you need to go see a therapist or you need to go to your doctor because you need to you know think about going and get some pills and you know it's the same with parenting now as well you know parenting you don't have a naughty child you actually have a child who's you know he's got a diagnosis so must take him to a specialist to get him diagnosed with something so we have to be really careful that we don't just keep translating all of these medicalized approaches into every single interaction, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So as a quick story, so my, uh, my nephew, I love the kids. He's 11 years old. He ends up moving from New York City to a school up in, uh, they moved to Westchester, like yeah. 45 minutes away. And he goes into seven, I think he was in seventh grade. So maybe he's 12 goes into seventh grade and my sister calls me afterwards, like a weekend. I'm like, how's he doing? He's, oh, he hasn't, it's tough on him. You know, he's hasn't made any friends yet. And he's, I'm thinking about bringing him to go and talk to someone. I'm like, hold on a second. He's 12 years old. He's going to a new school. Like he's supposed to feel uncomfortable. Like let him go through, you know, like they say the progressions, like let him figure it out. Like it's part of him growing up. Yeah. And understanding like the environment he's in, he doesn't need to go and talk to someone about something that is supposed to happen to him. Yeah. And he's got to experience this. He's got to get through this himself because if it's always like, you know, let me call a timeout and like go and see somebody to deal with this situation. You never have the inborn understanding that, Hey, I can actually dig out of this or I can make this work on my own. I don't need somebody else to do it. So yeah. that, that echoes true with me. Um, significantly like, you know, when we were growing up, you know, yeah, we probably all had HDD or ADD or whatever, you know, but that doesn't, that didn't change anything. Right. That's like a superpower. It's just, it's just, it's just a, it's just a different type of personality. You know, the, the problem, the, the issue that we have today is not that, is not that everyone's got a disease. It's that we don't spend time understanding people's personalities relative to the environment. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, all of these, all of these crazy conditions. I mean, and to be fair, you know, America is the worst country in the world for pathologizing everything. Um, and the UK is not much better. And in fact, UK prescribing practice, um, psychopharmacology, the, the, this, the prescribing practices are getting just as bad as the US. Um, so, it, you know, we've, we've and, and you're absolutely right with everything that you were, you know, just saying there, there's, you know, the, the, there's a you know building resilience. You can't you can't tell someone how to be resilient. You have to let them go through the pain and the and the you know and sort of the you know the process of um, coming out the other side of it. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about you know some of the, some you know knife crime and gun crime and all that sort of stuff. But you know, in school again, you know, when I was in school twenty or thirty years well thirty years ago, if 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 I had a problem with somebody. We'd have a fight. We'd have a fist fight, you know, and and then that person, the winner, the loser would end up on the ground and you would always put your hand out, pull them off the ground and shake the hand and you dealt with the problem. You you learned how to resolve your problems. You learned how to resolve conflict. But also also as well, you learn how to trust somebody. You know, when, 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 when we banter with each other, we're not bantering because we're trying to get one up. We're bantering because we're trying to figure out if we can trust each other. 
You know, if you can't banter with someone, I guarantee you won't trust them. Yeah, not only that, but when you think about going to like an amusement park and mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, I want to go on the roller coaster, right? I want to go on the roller coaster. I want to get kind of thrown around a bit. Yeah. I want some uncertainty. And then you come out of the amusement park and you want like this nice little ride around, like, you know, like a choo-choo train going around where there's like no bumps in the road. Yeah. And that life is a, the life it doesn't throw you that. Life throws you a roller coaster. You better start riding them early or else you know you can't outsource you know uh you can't outsource conflict uh resolution is kind of what all these medications are doing yeah but the thing is as well so we're we're in the gym game aren't we uh how do you build muscle the only way to build muscle is you have to go to the gym you gotta rip it and you gotta rip the muscle in order to grow it right you gotta rip it that's how it works your immunity how do you build your immunity you have to get exposed to infection to build your immunity how are you nope. supposed to build and how are you supposed to build emotional strength? You've got to expose yourself to discomfort to actually you build have some you. bad breakups. You gotta have some bad breakups along oh, you the have way. To. You to have diagnose to diagnose the good the good relationships. Exactly. It's all, it's all it's all totally normal. And and the thing is, this and this this brings us nicely back into COVID with the whole issues of loneliness, because the thing that loneliness is, you know, loneliness is a real thing, and the pain of loneliness is a real thing as well. We we experience loneliness from an evolutionary perspective. It protects us from leaving the group. So being away from the group is a very dangerous position for us to be in. And so at the moment, people are feeling that they're in very dangerous positions because they're not with their clan, they're not with their groups, they're not with their people. And that's why you end up with these situations where everyone's clinging on to all of these weird and wonderful ideas and ideologies that are going on in the world at the moment because they, they, have, they need to cling to something. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's you know, we, we, there's a lot that has got to be, well, hopefully after all this has done, there's a lot that's got to be resolved. Yeah, so let's, um, we're going a little overtime here. So let's go overtime into economic health. Yeah, so, I mean, my, I've got a lot of concerns with regards to economic health. And it's, it's really for two reasons. I mean, the, the UK is, again, US and UK are the same on this point. We've got these raging stock markets. We've got all of these crazy things going on with retail investors, but yet we've got the highest levels of employ- unemployment, businesses shutting down, high streets shutting down. The, the disparity between the stock markets and what's going on in the real world, uh, again, th- when you start thinking about trust, th- the cliff edge at the end of all this is, is frightening and it's there. It's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and when people aren't getting supported by furlough, they're not being supported by government payments and federal payments and, you know, companies are not getting bailed out anymore. You know, we get, we're, we're going to hit hard times. And I just, I just you know, I just have a, have a fear at the moment that there isn't enough being said about preparing people for when that happens because there's too much optimism about, oh, no, everything's fine now, but it's not fine. You can't, you know... You, I mean, you know, a, a fantastic example last week was, you know, what happened with GameStop. You know, I mean, what a great example of, you know, how, um, you know, thousands of people will have lost a fortune because they were all piling in at a stage that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, you know, Wall Street, Wall Street were always going to win that battle. And, you know, and I guarantee there were short sellers on the way down as well. So, um, it, I, I just I worry that I worry that uh, people are not picking up on the prob- the economic problems that people are really going to have 
uh, and they're not preparing them for it. And they're not preparing the countries for it either. Yeah, I think people uh, don't fully appreciate that in some countries you have to build really big walls around your house. Yeah. And you got to have a bodyguard. And I feel like we might be, unfortunately, treading into some dangerous waters where, you know, when people don't have enough hope or opportunity, you know, they take it out on someone. And, and, Absolutely. and, and it's not, it's not completely unwarranted yeah. is, is kind of where I'm at. I, I, I'm so, so we've got to, we've got to bring, we've got to bring people's expectations down. Like, you know, if we can't be just trying to fill people with hope. We've got to grab their expectations and pull them down a bit. We've got to, we've got to sort of apply a little bit of stoicism to this and actually start to get, you know, people need to get real. And, uh, you know, understand that life is going to be hard and challenging at the end of this. But let's start building some tools to prepare people for it so that they can prosper long term and not be like, you know, hitting this horrific, uh, horrific kind of wall that's going to happen. Yeah, I think also we probably unrightfully set people up for not meeting their own expectations because we, you know, and also running public companies and having, you know, like, hey, this company's going to grow 100% year over year, you know, into perpetuity. Like there, there are people that are working at those companies and you, you layer on unrealistic sales expectations. Yeah, you got a million dollar company and you go into two. Okay, you can do that. You go from two to four. Okay, it sounds achievable. Four to eight. All right, we're cruising. Now take a billion dollar company and try and create a $2 billion company in 365 days. Like shit's not, it doesn't work that way you know, long-term. So I feel like we, you know, these, these equity analysts have to understand that like managing growth is also about managing people. And these people wake up every day and they have a certain amount of goals and you got to set reasonable goals or else the rest of the whole society kind of falls off a cliff just running. Yeah. But I think we need to, but I think we need, it's also about trying to safety net people as well. I mean, you know, a friend of mine messaged me earlier. He sort of said, you know, do you realize that, um, so Tesla buying 1.5 billion of Bitcoin in January, from yeah. between now and then, they've made more profit than Bitcoin than they've made in 10 years of being Tesla. You know, it's, uh, and it's like, when you see things like that, and you think, yeah, but this is a six, $700 billion company and people are plowing money to invest in them. Where, where, and normal people, like not, not Wall Street bankers, just normal people, and pension funds that are taking care of people's futures. Where's the safety net in for everybody? Uh, in you know, in these kind of econ- in these in these kind in these global crises that we're in, how are we safety netting all of these people? And the truth is, we're not. Yeah, yeah. More, people are more more interested in what their unrealized returns look like than what their realized communities look like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so bringing this back, um, you know, to fitness, uh, we're obviously very bullish on the, on the bricks and mortar side. We're very bullish on people understanding that if you are healthy, you, you can fight most viruses, most diseases. And that's, you know, a Darwinian approach, but that's reality. Yeah. Um, so what, what's your, uh, parting, parting words here for, uh, for society going forward as, as the vaccines get rolled out? Yeah, so I think I think we have to put faith. So there's two things really. One, we have to put faith in the scientists building the vaccines, um, and you know we've got to lose these uh, kind of conspiracist views of them. 
and we've just got to accept and we have to put faith that because if the thing is I know I, you know I saw this I saw this great meme someone sent which was uh, have the vaccine and we can talk about all the all the conspiracies you want to talk about down the pub when this is all over you know it's like so so I think we have to put faith in science and I think to be fair scientists have done a, an amazing job uh, throughout all of this and we haven't heard enough of the success of uh, scientists and and you know medical scientists and practitioners um and I think that with regards to fitness, you know, it's, it's almost it's almost it's scary, isn't it, to to kind of start trying to to unwind, um, you know, some of the. I'm I'm all for everyone feeling confident and you know body posit- body positivity and things like that, but at some point you've got you know someone has got to say you know if if you if you if you're at risk of diabetes or you're going to get diabetes as a result of choices that you make in, you know. Does that, you know, is it is it really beyond the realms of reason to understand why that is not a good thing? And does this not actually show you why it's bad? And I think we need more people to accept that rather than just accepting the way they are. And I think if we have more acceptance around that, then I think we're going to be able to achieve more in, in sort of managing it going forward. But, but that's going to involve bringing real hard-hitting industry leaders into governments to, to tell them what to do. You know, we, you know, we need the best fitness and per, fitness people and personal trainers, you know, telling people what they should be doing. We need the best uh, nutritionists and um, people who work in dietics telling people what, sh- what they should be doing. We need the best supplement companies coming in and telling people what they should be doing. We, and, and we need to filter out, um, you know, as much of the noise as possible. Uh, to try and you know pull some of these really um, strong companies through. I mean, I you know as, as obviously you know I'm you know I've a long history you know as co-founder of Fitness Genes and you know one of the things we've been working hard on is how we can model more of these kind of lifestyle related um, traits and parameters, if you like, so that people can actually make start to make better judgments uh, when thinking about their long-term health. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I also do medical advisory to some uh, you know amazing um, and nutrition and uh, diet related companies as well who are equally are really kind of getting to grips with the idea of how do we deal with some of these medical conditions that people have and actually try and pull them forward um, into the, sort of the the realm of trying to improve health and fitness. So yeah, I mean the overarching message is you know this this needs to be a wake up call for everybody and we've got to we've got to do something to fix it. Yeah, great. All right, man. Well, we're rowing in the same boat. Let's make the boat bigger Absolutely. and uh, make sure we uh, we continue to infuse great things and have people do them. So you'll take care of everything on your side of the pond. We'll take care of ours and I'll meet you in the middle. Sounds like a good plan to me. Right, we'll have a party when we <laughs> You got it. You got it, man. All right, man. Thanks for everything you're doing. And that's a great insights uh, that really captured my uh, imagination on where we could be going together. So thanks for uh, coming back on as a two time Halo Talks guest. <laughs> All right, Doctor, be safe. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Yeah, awesome. Take care, brother. As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, want to offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com 
put your email address into the pop-up box, see how it works, get a free $10 gift card from us, and uh, keep listening and making everybody great.